0: Hi there, dear listener. Lazlo here with a quick pre-roll message for you. Before we get started, I want to let you know there are all kinds of convenient ways for you to support my efforts to bring you all these podcast shows on Chinese history, Chinese sayings, and tea history. If you go to my website at teacup.media and click the support button at the top, you'll find a bunch of ways to show some appreciation. There's Patreon, where you can get early access to new episodes, exclusive content, and an invite to the Teacup Media Discord channel, and more. CHP Premium, that also has early access, exclusive episodes, and ad-free versions of the entire CHP back catalog. Plus, there's several other ways to donate to the show as well. Check the episode show notes for a link to that very page. And my deepest thanks for listening and supporting me and my humble efforts. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Chinese Sayings Podcast. Laszlo Montgomery here, once again with yet another good one for you. This Chinese saying is a very excellent pedigree, coming from no less a source than the Shi Ji itself, the records of the grand historian. Sima Qian's magnum opus and monument to his father, Sima Tan. Today we will look at the story behind Ji Ming, Go Dao. As usual... The story came from ancient times, four characters, four syllables, thrown together with no apparent meaning. I'd say this one's about as typical a Cheng Yu as you could get. Ji Ming Go Dao. Here's the molecular breakdown. A ji, that's a chicken or a rooster. Ming, that's the sound or a cry from an animal, a bird, an insect. Ji Ming means the rooster's crow. And a go is a dog. And dao, that means robber, thief, or needs to steal something. So, ji ming go dao, rooster call dog thief. Hmm, that doesn't make much sense. Our story today takes place during the time of King Zhaoxiang of Qin, who reigned from 307 to 250 BCE. He was the great-grandfather of Qin Shi Huang, the first emperor in Chinese history. Qin Shi Huang will declare himself emperor 30 years after the passing of this King Zhao So this story, like so many Cheng Yu, was rooted in the Warring States period that took place during the second half of the Eastern Zhou. It was a bloody period, and underneath the Yellow River Valley from Shanxi to Shandong are buried relics left over from the battlefields of that era. The Qin state, if you recall from those China History podcast episodes 157-158, was by the time of this King Zhaoxiang about to take the fight to the neighboring kingdoms, of which there were six major ones left. So this king was always on the lookout for men of talent that he could entice to come to Qin and become part of what was possibly shaping up to be the winning team. And one such man who caught the king's eye was from the state of Qi. Anyone familiar with Shandong Province knows Shandong is the land of Qi and Lu, Qi Lu Liangkuo. Confucius came from the state of Lu. And from this state of Qi came a famous nobleman named Lord Meng Chang. Meng Chang jun He was singled out as one of the four most powerful aristocrats of the Warring States period. So he was rather well known by all the leaders of the kingdoms and was a right-hand man to the King of Qi. And if you ask anyone already familiar with Meng Chang-jun, they'll tell you this guy had a hell of an entourage. Lord Meng Chang. I guess he couldn't say no to anyone because all you practically had to do was knock on his door. You became one of his clients. These kinds of hangers-on are called manku in Chinese, door guests. So Lord Mengchang had a bit of a reputation of being kind, generous, and someone who showed up for his friends and anyone else who made it to his ever-expanding inner circle. It's said he had as many as three thousand house guests under his care, and he knew the details of everyone. And when it was their birthday or their son's manu ceremony. Lord Mengchang would be there with a the gift. Now, the leaders of the other states, west of Qi, all wished they had Lord Mengchang in their payroll. But nobody wanted him more than King Zhao Xiang of Qin. He sent an emissary to go make an offer to Lord Mengchang to come work in Qin. Well, long story short, he accepted the generous offer, and with his whole entire entourage and a load of gifts, he headed west to the Qin capital of Xianyang. This is near modern-day Xi'an. King Zhaoxiang warmly welcomed him and showed a maximum respect. Lord Mengchang presented the king with a gorgeous white fox fur coat that just took the breath away from the Qin king. He was astounded by its beauty and softness, but the time being the summer months, he told his staff to put it someplace for safekeeping until, you know, November-December came around. In no time at all, King Shang promoted Lord Meng Chang to be his prime minister. And I can tell you, the long-serving court officials in Xianyang didn't like that too much. They weren't happy at all that their king was showing such favoritism to someone who wasn't even from Qin. And one of these officials told the king, How can you trust this guy so much? He's like the right-hand man to the king of Qi. How do you know he's going to have the best interests of Qin in mind? And other courtiers as well worked on King Zhao and after enough lobbying, they got him to reconsider. But King Zhao asked, what am I supposed to do? He's already here. I invited him. Won't that look bad if I fired him suddenly? Should I should I just send him back to Qi? And his officials told him well, it's too late for that. He already knows too much. They suggested to kill him. But King Zhao he figured... Uh, what are the other six kingdoms going to say when they hear that? So he called for Lord Mengchang's house arrest while he tried to think of a solution. So Lord Mengchang was kept locked up, but you know he was well treated. King Zhaoxiang's brother, Lord Jingyang, had once been a diplomatic hostage of Qi and remembered fondly how well Lord Mengchang had treated him. So he went to him and offered his assistance, and he kindly told... Lord Mengchang, that his best bet to get out of his situation was to cozy up to Yen Chi, the king's favorite concubine. She was the only one who could consistently sway the king's mind. So Lord Mengchang arranged for an exquisite present of white jade to be given to her. But when Lord Jingyang handed the gift to Yen Chi on behalf of Lord Mengchang, she turned her nose up at it and said if he wanted her help, he'd have to give her a white fox fur coat like he gave the king. Lord Lord Mengchang said that it was a one-of-a-kind gift, and they had to kill a lot of rare white foxes to get it. But Lord Jingyang said it was his only way, and Xiang Banfar, think of a way to satisfy Yanji on this request. One of his entourage told Lord Mengchang, Don't worry, sir, I'll disguise myself as a dog and go steal the coat from the coat room. Well, Lord Mengchang knew this was undignified, but considering the desperate situation he was in, he okayed the plan. And that night, this person disguised himself as a big dog and snuck in through a hole into the room and retrieved the white fox fur coat. And it was duly presented to Yen and she pulled through on her end of the bargain, convincing the king, at his most vulnerable, after a drinking session, to allow Lord Meng Chang to return to Qi. And he agreed. And all the Permits, papers, and documents were arranged for Lord Mengchang's safe passage back to Qi. Like Ramses II, who came to his senses after freeing the Hebrews, King Zhao Xiang had second thoughts about letting Lord Mengchang go and ordered his soldiers to go bring him back. But just before Lord Mengchang passed through Sanmenxia in Henan, right on the Yellow River, he came to the Hangu Pass, still there today. And having arrived too late in the evening, he found the city gates closed for the night. Now, Chin Rules called for the gate only to be opened after the roosters let out their first doodle Another member of the entourage stepped forward and began doing just that, imitating a rooster's call. Must have been pretty good, because all the roosters in the area started doing what came natural, and they were all crowing like crazy. And then the gatekeeper looked at his watch and said, "Geez, morning already? So he opened the gates, and Lord Mengchang and his whole entourage passed through safely and made a beeline for Shandong province. By the time the Qin soldiers arrived at the Hankou gate, there was already too great a distance between them and Lord Mengchang, so they gave up and turned back. Lord Mengchang breathed a sigh of relief and said that on this occasion, he escaped from the tiger's mouth by way of Ji Ming Go Dao, the call of the rooster and a dog thief. And ever since then, someone who resorts to sneaky means of getting something done is described as Ji Ming Go Dao. People, usually those without much, if any, talent, you know, who resort to various kinds of tricks and who cheat to get what they want, are also said to be Ji Ming Go Dao. So, someone who isn't too clever and can't solve problems using their wits and who must resort to dirty tricks are often described with this Cheng Yu. Ji Ming Go Dao. So, that is our Cheng Yu for this time. On behalf of Joe Wei at our Cheng Yu Research Center, providing some turbo power to our production department, this is Laszla Montgomery beseeching you To visit teacup.media if you're so inclined, China History Podcast, China Vintage Hour, this Chinese Sayings Podcast, all available for you. Go check it out. Thanks, everyone. Think about joining me next week, would you, for another fine episode of the Chinese Sayings Podcast.